Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Receive something this morning. I pray that you did. How many of you are, are, are now hungry after being full from last week? You know what I'm talking about? We started a new series uh, entitled Full, okay? And it was a really, really incredible uh, message, at least I thought so. Uh, and and it, both services, Holy Spirit really delivered it to the people that were in the room. If you were in both, some people actually mentioned that to me. They said, man, it was crazy how different the second service's message was than the first service's message. And you know what? I believe fully because we are a Holy Spirit-led church. I don't, I don't preach by a script. I preach by the unction of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, guess what? He knows when you're in the room. I must say that again. I want you to know this. Holy Spirit knows when you are in the room. And oftentimes, Holy Spirit will speak directly to you. And I've, I've had people go, well, you know what's going on in the church, Pastor. You know what's going on in our life. So that's why you're saying that. I actually really most of the time don't. And I actually protect myself as much as possible to keep from knowing every little detail that's going on in people's life. Unless you need counseling, unless you need some, some, some counsel, that's about the only time I really know everything that's going on in people's lives. And so listen to me. When Holy Spirit begins to speak this morning, the Holy Spirit's going to speak through me. I believe that. And I want it to be an encouragement to you. I want it to be challenging to you, but I also want it to encourage you. But this morning, we're going to continue in this series. But last week, we talked about just being full in the Spirit of God, a life that is overflowing in the Spirit of God. And we started in this text, if you'll open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to start. And we're going to uh, just, we're actually going to read Romans 12, 12. And it simply says this. So you ready? It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. This is our anchor text for this series because now we're going to talk about some things. Not only does God just want us to be full of his spirit, but as a byproduct of being full of the spirit, these other things, will we it will show in our lives if we're really full of the spirit. These things will also show forth in our lives and in our actions. This will be the fruit of uh, being full, okay? And so the first one we're going to talk about in the first part of this is we're going to talk about joy. Somebody I say joy. joy. It says be joyful in hope. So we're going to talk about being a joyful person. Look at somebody and say, I got joy. That's right. Now, I, now, a lot of us, we say that, but we need to tell our face that we have joy. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, anybody, I know I, I've used this before and I, I use it quite often, but you know, people who look like they were weaned on a pickle or people who look like they, they're constantly sucking on a sour warhead. They're just walking around. And I'm not talking about, uh, never mind. Uh, I can't go there, I'll get in trouble. Uh, somebody just walks around and they constantly have a sour look on their face and, a, and the sour look ends up putting out a sour outlook. There's a, well, there's a worldly term for that, but I won't use that in church this morning. But it, there was people who go around and we'll just, we'll call it RAF, okay? Resting angry face, all right? People who always just look angry with the world for no reason, but I'm Christian and I got joy. Then tell your face. Like, cause you look like you're mad with me all the time. Fix your face. 
If you got joy, let your face show it, okay? If you're happy and you know it, tell your face, okay? Like, like you, you need to start actually showing that. But there's a lot of Christians that go through life and they look like they are upset with the world. And sometimes they are. They're just angry people. You ever met a Christian that's just an angry person? And ever, ever met a Christian that is a cynical person? Any of y'all a Christian and a cynical person? We won't, we, won't ask your, we won't ask for your hand in this room, okay? Like, there are times in our life that we find ourselves in these situations and that we do feel these ways. And, but, you know, there's some people that you, you, um, you call on and they're a Christian, but they're useless for any good work when anything rough is going on in their life. You know what I'm talking about? Or you can't call them when they're having an issue going on in their life because all they're going to do is, because they're going through something right now, is they're going to gossip, complain, bellyache, and cry all at the same time on the phone with you. And listen, that's not being full of joy, okay? Now, we're going to balance this whole idea in just a moment because I, I want you to go ahead and understand this. Being full of joy doesn't mean you're a robot and never feel anything, Okay? The difference, I'm way ahead of myself, I'm at the end of my message already. The difference of being full of joy and is this, you can feel things without being led by things. And oftentimes we allow what we feel to lead our lives whenever joy should be the rudder on our ship that actually leads us. So we can still grieve about things. I mean, the scripture tells us to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. But that doesn't mean that you don't have joy still in the midst of those moments. We'll talk about that some in just a minute. I'm a little ahead of myself. But what you need to understand, or maybe you call people and they just literally act like they have no joy. They are spiritual Eeyores. You know what I'm talking about? Eeyore always acting like he's on the edge of the end of the world. Listen, that is not the will of God for you. That is not how God desires you to live. We open up now your Bibles over to John 15. John 15. This is Jesus speaking, okay? John 15. We're going to read verses 5, and then we're going to skip down to verse 11. It says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, does what? Bears much what? Fruit, For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I want you to think about that for a, scripture, for, for a moment. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit. Then Jesus goes on just a few scriptures le- later. You see this in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that, that what? My joy may remain in you and that your joy may be what? Full. It may be full. So Jesus is saying here, my desire for you, God's desire for you is that you are full of joy, that you are a joyful person. But the byproduct of being, that that is the byproduct of being connected to the vine is being a person that is full of joy. Listen, you cannot, if you are connected to the vine, you will also be full of joy. That's what the scripture is saying. Is Jesus saying, if you're connected to me, you'll also recognize that there's joy in your life. In, in, in the, the English language, in order to create the word joyful, guess what? You have to take two words. You know what word you have to take? Joy and full. And so that means this. Joyful means what? To be full of joy. Some people think that joy is a matter of personal temperament, or maybe you were born that way. 
You're just naturally joyful. You were, you were born with a good outlook on life. You were just, you just and you know what was interesting to me is I feel, I, I feel like that many people that we come into contact with that seem to have that kind of natural, what we call natural uh, outlook good on life have been through some seriously traumatic incidences and things that have happened in their life and they really weren't born that way. It was a choice that they decided to make because listen to me, joy is not the fruit of your circumstance, it's the fruit of the spirit. And I know we've heard it said that numerous times and in numerous ways, but that's that's the bottom line. You have to choose joy. You have to choose to be a joyful person. It is not a matter of your circumstances. It's not just when everything is going good and joy is not just for when everything's going bad. It is something that you choose on a daily basis. Joy is a byproduct of being connected to the vine and abiding in the Father's love. I'm going to say this again. Joy is a byproduct of being connected to the vine and abiding in the Father's love. It says, those who abide in me. If you abide in the Father's love, you begin to realize that God loves you. God cares for you. God is, is giving God. He's a God of provision. And so even in the midst of times and seasons that feel like all provision is drying up, God will be your provider. Even in the times where it feels like everybody's left you, God will be the one that shows up and is there for you. This is what joy begins to produce in your life. Now, I want you to look at this now. Because Paul gives us this encouragement and reminder that in times that we feel empty of joy, there's something we can do, okay? He says this, rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say, like he was like, listen, anybody, anybody got kids in this room? Yeah. <laughs> anybody ever told their kids something and then they said, huh? Or they look at you like a deer in the headlights, and you're like, Again, I say, this is what you're supposed to do. Paul was sitting here talking to us in that way. Like, Papa Paul is like, listen, joy, rejoice in the Lord. And hey, are you listening? Again, I say, rejoice. What does rejoice mean? We'll talk about that in just a second. I won't get ahead of myself again. But Paul gives us this reminder, because guess what? Paul knows what it's like to find himself where joy seems non-present. Does anybody work in the prison system or jail system? How many, I know Andy does. Andy, is there a lot of joy in the jail? Just, just joy overflowing, just Andy. You know, I, I, you know, it's just all Reese's peanut butter cups and butterflies and rainbows as soon as you walk into the jail, right? Like everybody's just super happy. Just, I'm so happy to be in jail. I can't believe it. This is exactly where I want to live the rest of my life. Like, that, there's not a lot of joy in jail. But when Paul writes this, when Paul pens this, guess where he's sitting? In jail. Paul is saying, listen, like, like, uh, <laughs> like Legend of Zelda. Listen. You anybody play that game? You know what I'm talking about? Nope, nobody. Okay. Just me and maybe Bradley. And that's about, and maybe Ben and a couple other people. And, and that Ben over there. And okay, back here. Yeah, I'll give you the few people. Yep. Rhett knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but he says, listen. What you're going through right now. There is still a place to find joy. But you have to rejoice or joy again in the Lord. We're over here complaining because we got silenced on Facebook for a week. Oh, I'm under the persecution. I got no joy. I can't, I can't speak my mind anymore. 
You probably don't need to. <laughs> like, Paul's like, listen, there's things that are going to happen in your life that aren't going to always be hunky-dory. But you can rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. So Paul's saying, even in seasons of frustration, even in seasons of hardships, even in seasons of separation, even in seasons that feel like bondage, even in seasons you feel lonely, even in all these seasons, guess what? You still need to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the joy. Find the joy again of your salvation. The matter of fact is this. We are not always going to feel joy. And that's why we don't live a life based off of our feelings. That's why we don't walk uh, uh, by the way of the flesh, but we walk in the spirit. This is why, because you are not always going to feel like a joyful person. Some mornings, we talked about it last week, some mornings you're going to wake up and go, I don't want to go to church today. Some mornings you're going to wake up and go, I don't want to go read my Bible today. Some mornings you're going to wake up and say, I just don't feel happy. I just, I don't feel excited about today. I really don't want to go to work today. I don't like work. I'm tired of hearing my boss tell me what to do. There's going to be mornings you find yourself in that manner, okay? I'm not going to tell you that there's not. But there's a decision that has to be made in those moments. And you hold the power of that decision you hold the power of what the rest of your day looks like will this be a good day full of joy or because of my bad feelings that i woke up with am i going to let this day be a trash day it's your decision it's i know we like to overcomplicate it but it's really simple to make that it's a simple decision that you have to decide to make daily that i will be full of joy the psalmist said it like this Weeping may endure for the night. But what's it say? But joy comes in the morning. I find it interesting because I think what the psalmist is really saying here is the fact of the matter is you're going to face heartache. The fact of the matter, there's going to be times that feel like a slash to your faith and to your joy. But the scripture is encouraging us that we can take heart and know that joy is still there and still available for us. Because the Bible says his mercies are what? New every morning. That means every time you turn around, his mercies can be new and his joy can be new for you. And it can be what you need to sustain you. Joy doesn't mean you become a robot and you never feel or grieve. But it means that you don't allow your grief or heartache to be the rudder on your ship. You let joy take its place even in the midst of those times and take heart in the joy that's to come. Now let's talk about this word rejoice. It literally means to joy again. When you actually research that word more, the word, the, the, the prefix uh, re on, means this. It means to welcome back. Some of us have lost our joy in our salvation. Some mornings we wake up and we feel like the world is against us. And what Paul is telling us in this moment is, hey, welcome back joy in your life. You may have lost it. It may have been depleted. Welcome it back. I said it like this. Rejoice means to restock your joy. Like an empty Walmart shelf. You go whenever the shelf of your joy is feeling empty or low on stock. You go back and you begin to rejoice in the Lord. You begin to remember the times that he showed himself faithful. You begin to just praise and worship the Lord in the middle of where you're at. As a matter of fact, that's exactly how Paul showed us. Think about it. 
in, in Acts, it says that Paul and Silas are going around because Paul was never imprisoned for being like a graffiti artist or something, okay? Like he didn't go sell drugs. Paul was not doing uh, illicit and illegal activity. Now, back in the day when he was Saul, maybe a few things he shouldn't have did, but once he turns to Paul, okay, he was never in prison for those things. He was always moving forward in purpose and the calling of what God had called him to do. And it says in, 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 in Acts, it says that he, they were walking around and a, spirit, a woman with a spirit of divination was around them and began to just basically mock them. And he turns around and says, woman, I cast the demon out of you and he and goes and he actually gets uh, uh, in prison because of that. And then Paul and Silas says they're in the middle of the jail cell. We know this story really good, right? And then what does Paul begin to do in the middle of the jail cell? Now that's a bondage season. That's a season of frustration. Well, God, I was doing everything you told me to do. That could have easily been Paul's response and Silas' response. God, I was walking in accordance to your purpose and your will. I just was tired of the devil. I was just tired of hearing that. I was tired of that evil spirit. And, but Paul, in the midst of those moments, he doesn't do that. His hands in stocks, he's got cuffs on on his hands and his feet. And it's like, <laughs> he, he's a, yeah, the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, there is freedom. Can't move. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Come out of the dark. Yo, he begins to praise and worship the Lord is what the scripture says. He begins to do what? Joy again in God. He doesn't begin to blame God. He begins to joy again in God. Some of you are blaming God and blaming your spouse and blaming everything around you. And what you really need to do is look to God, the author and the finisher of your faith. Look to the hill from which your help comes from and begin to take your joy back. And what happens from that is what? Freedom and deliverance comes to his life. And not just his. The people around him. Because whenever you let whenever you let your joy be seen. I'm so joyful. I ordered a Diet Coke, not a Coke. Am I, am I talking to a Karen in the room today? You just lost the opportunity to witness the goodness of God to your waitress. Because you got all upset that they brought you a Coke. Like, I, I definitely said no lettuce on this. And there's like so much lettuce. Can you take that back and like remake it? Just chill. Just be kind about things. Like, be joyful. Oh, okay. Uh, hey. There's nice ways to talk to people in case you didn't know. And if you're going to wear anything high praise, my gosh, please. Because if I see you in a restaurant acting that way, as your pastor, I will walk up to your table and say, I am sorry for the way they acted, okay? That is not how we act. Okay, like. Because whenever your joy is seen, it's a good witness. Because people begin to think, man, what do they got? What? what what are they on? These people are not drunk with wine, as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Why are you just, why are you, nat why does it seem like so natural for you that even whenever the boss is yelling at you, you can smile and say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I'll make sure to take care of it. Well, I got the joy of the Lord. That's why. 
Does it stink? Yeah. <laughs> but I got joy. <laughs> Fix your face, okay? Your face, actions speak louder than words. I guess I'm joy. No, you don't. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the truth is this. <laughs> joy is a choice we make from the inside. Or say like this, joy is an inside job. It's not something that happens on the outside. It's something that happens on the inside and then reflects on the outside. If you're constantly waiting for your life to make you, oh, if I just had that new job, I'd be a joyful person. Oh, if I just had that money. Oh, if I just had that new spouse. Huh? Oh, if I just, if I just had, if, if I just had a, the, the car that that person's driving, then joy would be really easy for me. If I could just be the boss for a day, joy would bubble up and overflow. Listen, if you continue to sit around and wait for your life and circumstances to make you joyful, you will be sitting, waiting, wishing. You believed in superstition. That's another song, Jack Johnson. Guys, I've, I am full of songs. Okay, We could talk all day about songs and movie, and movie quotes, but we won't. But if you're constantly waiting for life to just make you a joyful person, you will be sitting around and waiting and just wishing for things, and you will never experience joy because joy is an inside job. Because we often do this. We call happiness joy, right? If somebody's happy, they're joyful. No, they're not. That doesn't always mean that. I have seen happy people with no true joy. Because this is the difference between happiness and joy. If you take the thing away from the person that's making them happy, they're no longer happy. With joy, if you take things away from me, like Paul was talking about, you can take this from me, you can take that from me, I can be put in prison, but I still have joy. And I will still see the goodness of God. I will still see everything that his hand has created. Matter of fact, Peter, I mean, Paul says it like this, that in times whenever you're persecuted and all these things, he says, count it all joy. Count it all joy that these things are taking. Well, that makes a lot of sense, Paul. But I think Paul's just really trying to encourage us with like, hey, even when things are going terrible, you can still have joy. You can count joy. I got all kind of things I can count in my life that God has done. I got these things that God is doing and I got an eternal promise that's ahead of me that gives me joy. Happy people are only happy when the things are going their way. Joyful people find joy in the midst of all hell breaking loose. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. And happiness cannot produce joy, but joy can produce happiness. I like to say, I'm going to say it like this. Joy is not a byproduct of what is around you. Joy is a product, a byproduct of what is within you. Okay? It's not about everything that's happening around you. It's about what's going on within you. Y'all still with me this morning? I'm going to give you a couple things real quickly. And these are some things the Holy Spirit gave to me. And I'm just going to, this is probably going to be a little bit more, we're probably going to jump a little bit more into some Holy Spirit um, speaking to you now. But I really felt the Lord bring these two things to my heart as I was studying earlier this week. And it's two things that separate us from being full of joy. Two things. And I really want you to take a moment while we're talking about this and be self-reflective and think, are these areas in my life I'm, I'm struggling with? Like, this is, a, this is an issue. This is a problem in my life that I need to be, 
I need to find freedom from. The first thing is this. The first thing that will separate you from being a person that's full of joy is unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Listen, people are going to offend you. Okay? That's going to happen. Anybody ever been offended before? Yeah? Man, some of y'all are unoffendable. I've been offended. My wife's offended me numerous times. And I've offended her numerous times. If you're married in here and you've never been offended, then, man, you must be really fake with each other. <laughs> we, we've been offended with one another. I've been offended with people. It's going to take place in your life. But this is the difference. Offense is a moment. Offended is a choice. I know I've said this before, but you can, you can have an offense without being offended without living an offended life. Unforgiveness will rob you of living a forgiven life. Matthew 6 says it like this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father... This is heavy. Neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Your inability to forgive blocks the hand of God's forgiveness in your life. And guess what? You can't live a life of joy if you're constantly bitter. Because unforgiveness will always, always, always produce bitterness. When you choose not to forgive, you're choosing not to be forgiven. You cannot have, we talked about this in the beginning of this message, but you cannot have the fruit of being connected to the vine, which is joy. Because, right, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Well, what was in there was joy, So when you're connected to God, you will have the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot have the fruit of being connected to the vine, that is joy, if you are not fully connected to the vine because of your unforgiveness. Your unforgiveness will keep you from being fully connected to the vine, which produces joy in your life. And unforgiveness will always create bitterness. Listen, the fact is, you're ugly when you're bitter. You're really ugly when you're bitter. I mean, honestly, it takes on some physical things. You start looking ugly when, you, when you're bitter. And then your spirit is ugly. And how you talk to people is ugly. How you talk to the person you've been talking to, it becomes ugly. And you become naturally just an ugly person. But listen, cause, and that's because of this. You cannot have joy and be bitter. So don't get bitter. Get better. How? Start with forgiveness. Forgiveness is something we give whether they apologize or not. Some of y'all need to hear that again because y'all harboring some things. Forgiveness is something you do whether someone says, I'm sorry, or not. Whether you ever see that person again or not. You are supposed to forgive. That is biblical. We cannot escape that. That is the truth of God's word. That's the truth of what Jesus said. You've got to forgive them. And I know Thanksgiving's coming up. And for many of us, we're going to get together with family, right? And we're going to see people that we haven't seen in a while, maybe some of us. And for some of us, Thanksgiving is a great time. It's a time where we get to be around a table with people that we love, we care about. And for some of us, Thanksgiving is a very difficult time. Whenever we have that family gathering and that person sitting across the table from us did that thing to us that we remember in our childhood. 
For some of us, it's very difficult because you know the people that are sitting at your table with you have said things that are terrible about you. But let me encourage you with this. Don't let Thanksgiving be bitter because of things that happened in your past. You can, you, you can choose how this Thanksgiving is and give them a gift and forgive them. Give yourself a gift and forgive them. I'm not saying that there's not boundaries in place, okay? So don't misunderstand forgiveness for absence of boundaries because that's not the truth. But what I am saying is whether they've ever apologized and looked at you and said, I'm sorry for saying that about you. I'm sorry for doing that. I'm sorry for talking about you that way. Whether they've done that or not, you decide in your heart, I'm going to forgive. Listen, this Thanksgiving, don't be a bitter turkey. (laughs) Be somebody who forgives and enjoy that time. Forgive them and love them. Do it in your heart and let this be one of the best Thanksgivings you've ever had because of that. Number two is this, a complaining and critical or spirit or ingratitude. A complaining or critical spirit or ingratitude. These are things that separate you from joy. It is impossible to be full of joy and consistently complaining. If you're consistently complaining, you're, consist- you're consistently cursing what is around you. But it's amazing to me how often everything in our life can be going good, can be going right, and we still complain. And that's because we talked about some last week. Many of us are glass half empty believers. But God wants you to be the believer that is full to overflowing. Complaining and critical spirit truly is an ugly poison that will keep you from joy. And listen to me, complaining has consequences. Look at the children of Israel. Delivered, set free, thankful, supposed to get the promised land. Something happens along the way. Complain. Moses, why'd you bring us here? What, do you even know what you're doing? We're going to die. The giants in the land are too big, all these things. And because of their complaining and their unbelief, their ingratitude, they never saw the promised land. They weren't full of joy. You know, there's actual scientific um, studies on this, and I'm going to read this to you. And this is very interesting because I'm going to counter it with something else in a moment. But this is actually from a study from Stanford University. It says this, and I've read this before. A few years ago, I read this in a service. It says this, repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it's easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's going on around you. In other words, you will always find the ugly in the situation. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. Here's the kicker. Complaining damages other areas of your brain as well. Research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, which is an area of the brain that's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. While it's not an exaggeration to say that complaining leads to brain damage, it doesn't stop there. When you complain... Your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol shifts you into fight or flight mode, directing oxygen and blood and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to immediate survival. One effect of cortisol, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and your blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. All the extra cortisol released by frequent complaining impairs your immune system. In other words, you're more likely to get sick. 
and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. And it even makes the brain, this is wild, it even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. And this is all from what? Complaining and critical spirit. Let me just encourage you, if you're a person that's constantly complaining, stop it. I know, it, like I said, even the study, it rewires your brain when you get so used to complaining. But let me just encourage you to start renew. How do, you, how do you rewire your brain again? You begin to renew your mind to the word of God and what it says. You begin to make your mind new again. You begin to take hold of the mind of Christ. You begin to take uh, every thought captive and put it into the obedience of Christ. Because listen to me, don't get cut off from what God has for you because you're sour and complaining attitude. As a matter of fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says this, Rejoice always. So there's that rejoice again. Joy again, always. Pray continually. And do what? Give thanks. Break the back of ingratitude and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There is clearly a direct correlation between rejoicing and giving thanks. Because when you rejoice, you will naturally give thanks. And then you'll begin to see all the good that is around you. Listen, if you begin to notice yourself being critical, cynical, and complaining, stop. Look around and see God's goodness and thank him for it. Gratitude's a healthy habit for the mind, soul, and body. I've said it like this before, but gratitude is a key that opens the door to a better life. Complaining cancels joy. Gratitude is a gateway for joy. I'm going to give you two things now real quickly. Two things real quick that give you joy. That brings, I mean, sorry, things that joy gives to us. (laughs) Number one is this, a greater life. A greater life. Proverbs 17, 22 says this. A joyful heart is what? Good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. In other words, a joyful heart does good like a medicine. medicine how many of you take, have, have taken medicine in your life? Matter of fact, I'm on medicine right now because... I've been having extreme heartburn. I'm 31 years old, and I, it's a hereditary thing. I got it from my daddy, okay? Uh, my dad can't have a bowl of grits. Matter of fact, <laughs> one Christmas morning, we, we were supposed to open gifts, and I don't know if anybody else wakes up first thing in the morning and opens gifts, but <clears throat> we do that. It's the first thing we do. My dad decided this, morning, they decided this one Christmas we were going to have breakfast, and he decided to eat grits. Three hours later, we got to open gifts because he was heartburn was crazy. But anyways, uh, but... Medicine does what? Why do we take medicine? It's because it helps us. You got a headache? You go take a Tylenol and ibuprofen, right? Like you got migraine? Migraine relief. You got sinus problems? Go take some sinus medicine. You got an ear infection? You're going to need an antibiotic. It's a medicine. And medicine is good. For, it, it, it helps your body. It helps you uh, 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 heal. It helps you recuperate. Some of y'all are spiritually sick. I mean, sick. You're acting like spiritually sick. You're spiritually sick because your heart isn't joyful. You're constantly complaining. Joy and a happy heart will make you feel better. You ever been sad or upset, frustrated? And you're like, man, I just need to watch a comedy movie. Anybody ever done that before? Yeah. Yeah, I've done that quite a few times. And it's amazing how much like you just like things just kind of begin to change a little bit. 
Anybody ever been around, been frustrated or upset and then get around somebody who just like helps encourage you and like makes you laugh, cracks some good jokes and you're like laughing and you're having a good time and you've already forgotten now about what was going on and now you're focused more on joy and happiness? Listen, that's what joy does for you because listen, the joy of the Lord is good for you. It's like a medicine. It is good for you. Now, I'm going to read you. We talked about complaining, right? And the science behind that. Now, I'm going to read you a quick study produced by Northwestern Medicine on people who choose joy, okay? People who choose joy are happier, and as a byproduct, these are the positive things that happen. Number one is this. It improves a person's problem-solving ability. So positive-minded individuals believe they can and want to achieve their goals. Number two, they, it's building physical, intellectual, and social resources. This allows people to learn better because they seek other positive-minded people. In other words, you're going to surround yourself with like-minded people. You're going to surround yourself with people in a church community and people of like faith who will help encourage you. Number three, it protects your health. Happiness lowers your risk of cardiovascular disease, lowers your blood pressure, enables better sleep, improves your diet, and strengthens your immune system. I think it's interesting that your body literally lines up with the Word of God. Think about that for a second. Like, we, like, as Christians go, science and Christianity cannot coexist. Like, the science behind your body literally lines up with the Word of God. If you want a healthy body, a healthy mind, a healthy heart, what do you need to do? Be joyful, be appreciative, be happy, be positive-minded, think on good things, which the Scripture talks to you about as well. Whatever is lovely, praiseworthy, these are the kind of things to think on. But if you do the opposite, your body literally begins to deteriorate is what what the scientific studies show. So let me encourage you just to to take that next step and begin to see the joy of the Lord all around you. And the second thing is this, coming to a close, is this power and strength to endure. This is the second thing that joy gives you, power and strength to endure. When you're full of joy, you have power and strength to endure. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength, right? In moments of weakness and weariness, it's natural to seek strength from external sources. We typically do that. Yet the scripture reminds us that our true and enduring strength is rooted in joy found in our connection with the Almighty God. The joy is not dependent on circumstances. Rather, it springs from the unchanging character of God. Psalm 1611, we're reminded of this. Reminded that in His presence, it says, there is fullness there's fullness of joy. That's what the scripture says. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. I love the way it actually reads in the New International Version. It says this, in, You fill me with joy in your presence. When you are connected to the presence of God, whenever you find times to be in the presence of God, we, it's, it's really just a showing forth, once again, of a reminder of what God said last week. When you find times to be in the presence of the Lord, He fills you to overflowing with His Spirit. And one of the things that He fills you with is His joy. Listen to me. It is crucial to understand that the joy of the Lord is not contingent upon the absence of difficulties, but rather it thrives in the midst of them. That's whenever you know if you have real joy or not. It's easy to go, oh yeah, I got joy whenever everything is going good. 
But whenever things aren't going so good, that is the time whenever true joy kicks in. Do you have joy then? It is a joy that sustains us through trials and tribulations. It is joy that sustains us and lifts our spirit and renews our strength whenever our resources feel absolutely depleted and like they are gone. May then, though, we embrace the truth that the joy of the Lord truly is our strength, a strength that empowers us to face each day with courage to love one another with grace and to overcome adversity with unwavering faith when faced with problems i want you to remember this we have the king of kings living in our hearts we have the savior of the universe on our side we have a god of love who makes beauty out of brokenness who fights for us that is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother who is the one who says cast your cares on me because i care for you whenever you really think about the goodness of God and that you have a father that you can run to in a time of need and we have a friend who is always by our side and we have a provider who shows up on time and we have a restorer who will restore what is broken and we have a healer that will heal what needs to be healed and a savior that saves us and a joy-filled savior that will give us the joy of the Lord for our strength when you think about that it gives you the strength to carry on and I want you to remember this in the midst of facing adversity in the midst of facing trial in the midst of facing struggles if you're facing it he's not done with you yet because if it's not good he's not done so take joy that he is not done with you and let that fill you to overflowing will you stand up to your feet this morning and give God a hand clap of praise this morning hallelujah hallelujah